Hi, I'm Fred Schonenberg, and thank you for joining me on the Venture Fuel podcast. At Venture Fuel, we help companies find new solutions by partnering with the best startups from around the world. On the show, you'll learn the secrets of business leaders who tap into startups and the founders driving extraordinary results. We'll consider new ideas, stretch our mindsets beyond the status quo, and in the process, discover how to leap the competition and fuel personal growth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Venture Fuel Visionaries podcast. I'm so excited today. We have Anton Vincent. Anton is the president of Mars Wrigley North America, which is the largest subsidiary of Mars Inc., which, of course, is one of the world's largest privately held companies. Since joining Mars in 2019, Anton has led the acceleration of purpose-driven value creation for what is easily one of the world's largest, most iconic consumer brand portfolios. Prior to Mars, Anton spent over 20 years at General Mills. Today, we talk about fostering growth in an inflationary economy, setting the right table for tomorrow, and how to drive innovation in such a large private company. So ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Anton Vincent. Anton, it is so nice to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Now, Fred, thank you for having me. I'm uh, really excited to be talking to you. When I saw it on the calendar, I was like, yeah, this, this is what I'm going to be excited about. So really good to uh, be with you and, and, your, and your audience today. Fantastic. Can you, can you level set us a little bit around, uh, you know, what is your day job like at Mars? What do you oversee and all, all that fun stuff? Yeah, so I'm the president of Mars Wrigley North America, and that means uh, really for all of the confections business in the North American region, uh, I'm totally accountable for that as well. So it's, uh, you know, it's just the biggest part of Mars. Um, it's really sort of the foundation in terms of how Mars was built with the confection business before we started to obviously get into other things as well. And so it clearly has a big part in our markets, in our consumers, also with the Mars family as well. And so I feel like I have a tremendous responsibility to not just shepherd the past, but sort of push us into the future as well. Uh, and it's a very exciting place to be. There's never a dull moment in Mars. I can imagine. I, I, I listened as, as part of the prep for this to a really interesting interview you did with Bloomberg, and it was around fostering growth in an inflationary economy. Mm-hmm. I would love to get your, your kind of high-level thoughts on that, because when most people hear inflation or think about it, the first reaction is entrenching. Do you find it to be a, a potential opportunity for growth? Yeah, you know, I do. And I always tell people, look, you know, uh, it's always contextual in terms of the business that you're in. I think one of the things we do here pretty well at Mars across all of our segments is we we have a very clear understanding of the business that we're in. And I would say in Mars Wrigley, you know, we're we're in the business of making people happy every day uh, in very small and, you know, essentially inexpensive ways. And so we feel like that that proposition is very durable throughout all economic cycles, uh, high inflation, low inflation, high growth, low growth as well. I think the trick to us is to make sure that we are communicating that value in very consistent ways. That's number one. Uh, but also in ways where people have a very clear understanding around where we fit into their lives. And I would say the pretext of that is we should always fit into your life. <laughs> yeah. That sort of gives us a very durable business model. That's number one. But number two, you know, we have some of the biggest and best and well-known brands in the world. And uh, in times of stress, you know, people really go back to what they know, what they understand, what has been good and right and true for them over the long arc of time. And so we feel like we have built up a treasure trove of trust over the last hundred years that allows us to uh, sort of be there for them in all situations as well. And so obviously as marketers, as business people, you want to make sure that we leverage that to the hill in regards to what the economic situation is. 
one of the things that came up as, as I was talking to, to members on your team uh, was they're like, you have to ask this question to Anton. You have to just ask him what innovation means to him. Because as you've spoken about it at internal events, uh, everyone gets really energized. So I'm giving you sort of a, a random blank question, but uh, it, was, uh, it was advised by your team. So what does innovation <laughs> mean to you? Well, that's dangerous for you to give me a blank straight. Here's what I would say. I, I think the first thing, particularly coming from a, you know, a product marker, you know, a, the one thing I would say is innovation is beyond just product. You know, un- unfortunately, we sort of narrow people into a thing the thing that has to be produced and so on and so forth. And so I think part of it is sort of innovation in terms of how we get information, how we take that information and build insight, how we get the insight and then start to build propositions, you know, that may turn into products, may turn into sort of process innovation, system innovation, what have you. So that my first thing to say is beyond sort of what we're putting in people's mouths in our case. The second thing is, I think as it enters the marketplace, I have a very sort of fundamental formula. It needs to be different and it needs to be better. (laughs) <laughs> right. If it's not different and it's not better, I don't think it's going to meet the sniff test of someone wanting to try it. And at some point starting to repeat it over time as well. And so we really try to make sure that we're very sound in terms of how we assess value. Where do we need to place that value in the process? And then because we have such a beautiful treasure trove of brands, we can attach that proposition onto any number of brands that are going to allow us to get, uh, you know, allow us to get at very least get trial. Uh, but also, you know, hopefully sort of attribution with that as well with the brand. So we feel like we have a good formula around those pieces. So I would sort of say beyond product. Yeah, exactly. Once it hits the marketplace, it needs to be better and needs to be different. I love it. How do you think about, you know, internal versus external innovation, sort of the, the inside out versus outside in, you know, obviously at a large company with the iconic brands that you've mentioned, yeah. uh, sometimes there's. I'll call it, you know, not invented here syndrome uh, or that. So just curious your, your point of view on internal and external. Yeah, well, first of all, I think I think both of them are very applicable. You know, you can imagine when a large, you know, global company like us, we got a lot of resources. We got a lot of, I mean, like when I say incredibly gifted people, I mean, incredibly gifted people who I, I think understand not only the process, but have very much in tune with the consumer marketplace, where it is and where it's going. So I think that's the first thing, but also we also live in a world where I can tell you all the ideas about how to launch something in confectionery don't live inside of Mars. <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that. So how do we have mechanisms to make sure that we are at the tipping point of where the consumers are, at the tipping point of where consumers are going? And how do we have a system that reconciles all of that, that gives us information and insight that at some point turns into a strategy and a proposition that we can innovate as well? So I do believe in the power of both you know, sort of having those systems internally, but also having an equal capability of being able to assess what's on the outside. At the end of the day, how to bring that outside in in a very sort of systematic way. Uh, Because as you know, innovation is not something you just do every other day. You know, we have to be up against this every day. Our marketplace is moving at a level of speed now I don't think any of us have ever seen. And so our our, our innovation timeframes, our networks, our, our engine, if you would, have to be able to respond to that, you know, in very specific ways. Love it. So one of the things you mentioned was, you know, products, right? Going taking products to the next level. Uh, and I was interested to get your point of view on uh, a brand like M&M's, right? It's three years old. How do you take that from a product to an experience? Yeah. Right. Like you guys introduced a new new character, which was super fun. So just curious, 
you know, I have a brand marketing background, so I'm always love seeing the sort of thinking there, uh, but love your, your perspective of going just from launching a new product to launching something that is actually an experience. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because, uh, you know, and I think if you've been around or you've been on any sort of these big older brands, you know, this is sort of a perpetual problem. You know, the first problem is how do I maintain relevance, you know, in a marketplace that's changing on you, right? I think it's first and foremost, you know, fortunately, this is an 83 year old brand that we have invested, you know, quite a bit of money in over time to make sure that it's relevant, that it has a you know, a strong uh, and capable audience and that we're investing behind that audience with new propositions, things of that nature. So I think for us, we, we, we will always sort of do that. But also one of the things that you're referring to is now how do we get outside of it being just a brand and being much more of an experience and also being much more of a platform, which is one of the things we have started doing the last year or so as well. Because if you look at M&Ms in particular, it really is a collection of a variety of things. Obviously, it's a product. It's a beautiful product. It's a product that has, you know, great penetration, has great affinity as a brand and as a product format. You know, but also, you know, we have stores, we have an online experience, that we have customization. And I think one of the things that we have been unable to do in the past was how do you take all of those elements and make those elements not just, quote unquote, transactions, but how do we make those an ecosystem and an experience? And that is what you're starting to see now. You know, it started with us, uh, you know, doing a lot with our characters, uh, certainly on the female characters back in January. We sort of launched a new purpose that is translated into actually uh, launching now a new character, the first one in 10 years, which is purple. And uh, you would have seen, uh, you know, sort of late that, you know, the purple is now going to come into a product space, at least for a period of time as well. And so... Part of it is making sure that we have a great engine. We think we have a great engine, 83 years worth of that. Now that engine has to retune itself. It has to evolve and it has to be something more than just what you put in your mouth as well. And what we find that because the brand is so well positioned and has such a great resonance as we start to expand it, there is, there is high attraction. You know, So people are uh, not just not rejecting, they're really accepting it in very differential ways. And then I would say the last thing, which I think is a bit of a new thing for us is you know, we're in a world where uh, you, you you can't exist without having an opinion, yeah. even as a brand, right? And so, you know, I, I think we're very understanding around who we are. We're very understanding of the narrative and the message we're trying to put in the marketplace. And then we're trying to put, I would say, proof behind that in terms of how we move through that as an experience. And we just actually launched a pack about uh, celebrating women for International Women's Day. Uh, it is a package. It is making sure that, uh, you know, we have and present women in the fullness that we all know them to be. And uh, and we do that through a product. And, uh, you know, we just, we're having, I mean, incredible response about not just the act, but what does that act say about, A, the women, our message, but also about the brand and how we feel about it as well. And so you can't be able to do that with credibility unless it's sitting on a foundation of trust and resonance. So, so very true. Is there, whether it's a trend, uh, an emerging technology, that you're really excited about. I'm kind of trying to peer out a little bit and think, yeah. you know, what's, you know, three to five, 10 years, whatever the time frame might be. We were just talking before we hit record about uh, the consumer electronics show. Yeah. I'm just curious from like your standpoint, are, is there, is there a future that you're looking at that's getting you really excited? Yeah. You know, I would, I would say this is not so much new, but I just think, you know, all the advances that we're seeing in AI is just, just tremendous. You know, it's, yeah. it goes beyond product and marketing as well. And, you know, I, I always tell people we're still early days in AI. And so, you know, we're actually learning about it. We're not afraid of it anymore, but I think, you know, it's ability to do things and do things in a very unique way and do them at scale. You know, that, that, that really excites me. Part of it is from an operational perspective, you know, sort of going up the value change, but also even as you start looking at the marketing in terms of versioning and ads and so on and so forth, it really does give you a tremendous opportunity to be more customized in your yeah. marketing, 
to be more customized in your messaging, to do it at a substantially lower cost, and just to be more accurate in terms of who you're talking to as well. And we know in the marketing world, there's a, there's a lot of waste. You know, Even in the digital world, there's a lot of waste in terms of as you start to target certain audiences or, or certain cohorts and things of that nature. So, so AI just as a concept, I do think we're getting into an application phase of AI that really is going to allow us to see the value that it offers really begin to sky, skyrocket and begin to broaden. You know, it goes beyond technology to real application to make our lives easier and better and hopefully more fulfilling. Perfect. One of the challenges we've heard from large companies around innovation is, I'll call it, the, is the juice worth the squeeze, yeah. right? Trying something new when you have this iconic portfolio in your case, yeah. right? That, you know, you, you don't want to, sort of like the doctors, right? You don't want to harm the patient. That's the first responsibility, <laughs> but you want to keep moving and trying new things. How do you remedy that friction internally as you, you push the, the organization into the future and seize the opportunities that are there without sort of taking your eye off of the core? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question, I would say. And, you know, there's, you know that, that's a real tension in terms of, uh, you know, the people who run brands and things of that nature. You know, part of it is because I just take our, our we talk about M&Ms, you know, it's been around 83 years for a reason. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and a big part of the reason is because when we originally concepted that, we were onto something. We've been cultivating that thing for a very, very long time. And that thing has consistency. People have a, a, a good affinity towards it. And there are reasons that that's built up. But at the same time, we know we just can't survive from a product that we put into the marketplace 80 plus years ago. I mean, it has to roll with the times. It has to transition with the times. It has to be in the culture. In some cases, it has to push culture. Uh, It has to have a point of view. And so, like I said earlier, it's not just one thing or the other. You have to have a very, very solid core to be able to innovate off of it. Innovation in and of itself is not a thing. It really has to bounce off of uh, especially an existing product like this, it has to bounce off of a strong core. And then you try to create new dimensions for that brand or for that product. Um, and so because at the end of the day, that is that is the exercise. And hopefully that new dimension or new dimensions over time is helping you to stay relevant and helping you to go in and recruit and get new consumers. You know, that's sort of the basis of it as well. And so I, I, I always talk about innovation in the context of a core business. I've never seen a business that had great innovation that didn't have a strong core. In my career, a long one, I've never seen those things happen. And so even when you're making your core stronger, at the very least, you're setting your brand up so it can actually have different planks, if you would, to go and innovate off of as well. And I think as long as that core is intact and you continue to invest against that core, you actually are putting yourself in a better position for it to maintain relevance over time as you innovate off that core. Beautiful. Well, I'll get you out of here on this last question. Uh, And it's sort of an open-ended one, which is, you know, what, what didn't I ask? you or what should should I have asked you uh, that you'd like to talk about? I mean, our audience is, it's pretty interesting because it's the intersection of, you know, large corporate, you know, innovators essentially, but venture capitalists and startup founders. That That's the makeup of, of who gravitates towards yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, and so curious if there's anything, you know, in that context that uh, you'd like to share with the, that group. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you just some things that, that I think I'm, I don't think I'm the only one. I, we're the only ones. I mean, we, this whole constant conversation around, look, how do we be great marketers, uh, great revenue generators and still take care of the earth? I mean, this whole concept around yeah. sustainability is very real. Uh, and many of us, uh, you know, great brands, great companies are really investing in it. But, you know, the, the tension is, OK, look, is this something that people a value? 
<laughs> and B, if they do value it, will they pay for all the investments that we're putting into it on a way to a more sustainable future? Yeah, you know, that's, a, that's a very, very real tension. And I think the real answer to it is who knows, but we have to do it. Right. There, there's a there's a broader goal there. And I would think at Mars, you know, what we've tried to do and we've always done, even beyond the terms of ESG when it was sort of created some time ago, is you know, we want to be great stewards of the earth. You know, part of what we do is to be great marketers, to you know, build a great economic machine, but also we invest in making sure that we're having a better world over time. That is very, very important for us. And I think I've said this in the past, you know, part of my long-term compensation is how do I hit those uh, non-financial measures around making the world a better place? And so I think the tension, and I think it's the right tension, I think it's great tension is how do we do both? How do we do our things from a revenue and a growth and a profit perspective and still do that in a way that we're making the world a better place? And I, I do think business is absolutely responsible for doing that. It's not somebody else's job to do, uh, because in many ways, as you know, we are taking from the earth to go and process something and then obviously build that value added and put it out there in the marketplace for consumption. And so it's important we do that. So I, I think I think the real innovation, you know, as we're talking about innovation here is, boy, how do you get great product? How do you innovate off that great product and how you do it in a way that it, that is actually healthy for the earth so that we all get to this whole net zero future that I think we're moving towards. And Mars has made a commitment that we'd be totally net zero by 2050. There are some goals in between now and 2050 that we obviously are sort of tracking out in the early term as well. And while that puts stress and pressure on a growth-oriented global enterprise, we do believe you can do both. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the trick and, 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 and part of my responsibility is to make sure we can do that in the most sustainable way possible because, uh, you know, the one great thing about working at Mars as a private organization is, I mean, when I say we think long-term, I mean, we think long term, <laughs> you know, we're yeah. trying we're trying to understand what does the next 50, 100 years look like. And in order to do that in a way that makes sense and a way we can close on it, we have to put investments in the ground today. <laughs> right. To sort of create their future. And so I think that's uh, it's difficult, but it's exciting as well. And just sort of back to the whole theme around innovation it's the ultimate innovation. Right. When you sort of think about it as well. And so that that's really what what excites me is what excites us here at Mars. Uh, you know, we try not to talk too much about it, but, you know, we've been leading in the space for a while and we will continue to put investments down and to make sure that we're, we're trying to sort of build that triangle out for ourselves. It's interesting how the difficult problems often are the ones that are most exciting uh, and, and, and the ones to, to go after as well. Anton, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and for everything you're doing to spark change uh, at Mars and beyond. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much, Fred. I, will, uh, I can't wait to hear the podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this great conversation with Anton. We really appreciate having you here today. Please feel free to share this with any friends or colleagues that you think might find it interesting. And of course, if you could go to Venture Fuel on LinkedIn, you will find all sorts of upcoming guests, insights, research papers, upcoming events. Our team just did a really interesting dive into the best emerging technologies from the Consumer Electronics Show. So Venture Fuel on LinkedIn is the way to go, or you can go to www.venturefuel.net. So until next time, 